Nice. Way to get the ending of the song, Have Jim. You oh, my desk? God. Well, greetings, everybody. There it is. Technical issue right from the beginning. Uh, welcome once again to the Rec Boker podcast, uh, sponsored, as always, by Running Aces Racetrack, Casino, and Hotel, and website AMP. And we have another chats edition of the podcast, and we're going to hang out with Maria Ho. Who? Yeah, you've heard of her, Maria Ho, a uh, great friend of Rec Poker. She's a great player, uh, $4 million plus in reported tournament earnings. She's a poker host and commentator. She's a reality TV star and a whole bunch more that we're going to dig into. But uh, before we get to Maria, let's first introduce the panel. Uh, my name is Steve Fredland. I go by Rec Poker Steve in the Poker Stars home game. And, you know, talking to Maria is just about living life to the full. And it reminds me of a great quote from Ruth Reichel. She said, pull up a chair, take a taste. Come join us. Life is so endlessly delicious. That's hard to follow up. I'm Andrew <laughs> Feist. I'm dealer 412 in the home game. Uh, and just to remind everybody, a goal without a plan is a very hard goal to achieve. <laughs> nice. My name is Jim Reed, uh, Bluffsterini in the home game and at Hold'em underscore Steelers on Twitter. And I'm here to tell you that if you're not having fun, why are you playing? Hmm. And I'm John Somsky, and I'm here just to remind you, Poker Geek MNN everywhere, just here to remind you that dogs are lousy poker players because whenever they have a good hand, their tails wag. <laughs> and I'm Rob Washam, uh, Radman 50 everywhere. And unlike in the Bible, poker is not, not a game where the meek inherit. Oh, look at Rob dropping the serious wisdom. Thanks, guys. Uh, great panel, as always. Uh, just a couple of quick things that we'll dig into after Maria, but just a heads up uh, as a little bit of a teaser. we got the Marek Madness coming up, uh, the eight-person bracket heads-up tournament. More about that to follow. And Rob's got us down to the final four voting for the next book study. So we'll talk more about that, but just a heads-up on that. So with that, let's bring her in. Uh, finally, uh, Maria Ho, welcome back to Rec Poker. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, of course. Anytime. You know, we could just make this the Maria Ho Show and just be done with it. Everybody be very, very happy. I got to get an arsenal of quotes then if it's going to be, <laughs> if I'm going to be on as a regular. I got to join in on this. Right. So. We'll, we'll equip you if, <laughs> if need be. So, so how are things? What's, what's happening since the last time we chatted? What's, what's going on in your world? Yeah, just, you know, really much of the same. Just uh, my slogan throughout this whole time has just been trying to stay sane, stay safe, and stay productive. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's just about kind of, I'm sure everybody has their own story of how they've managed throughout these times. And I know that it's trying times for everyone on different levels, but for me, I just want to keep growing and keep learning. And even if my lifestyle or what I'm used to doing on a day-to-day -day basis has changed drastically, I really want to make sure that I'm working on my own self-improvement and, you know, just trying to keep others around me safe and happy and healthy. I'm curious of those three of trying to stay sane, stay safe and stay productive. Which one's been the hardest? <laughs> uh, well, I would have to say staying productive because obviously already being a professional poker player, somebody who had worked on their own time, made their own schedule, uh, you really have to be disciplined and you have to be self-motivated. And now that live poker hasn't really been a possibility um, on most levels for people. I feel like it's been hard for me to, you know, wake up in the morning and say, okay, what can I do today to improve my poker game if I'm not able to get out there and play necessarily. And obviously I know that people are playing home games online and things like that as well. Um, but it's just not really the same experience as playing live. Well, that, that is, it's one of the questions I wanted to ask you too, is just how, how are you improving your game? So uh, obviously you're involved in so many things that we'll talk about, but you know, you're not just a poker player. Obviously you're, you're doing all of these other things. So when it's time to actually work on your game, how do you maximize that time? What is your process for, for working on your game? Yeah, um, I think a big part of it is definitely having a good study group, you know, talking hands. But again, I haven't been playing as much as I normally do. So I don't really have a lot of these hand histories mm -hmm. as of late to be sharing. So I've been doing um, some other forms of, of learning from obviously 
um, online sites and, and a lot of those videos that have been coming out where now, you know, they're, they're doing, you know, this bundle pack of, you know, one specific coach, um, and, focusing on something that's their specialty. So I'd actually use this time to pick up a little bit more PLO. Like I've always played it recreationally, but I've never really gotten serious into the game. So I've kind of been studying a little more of that strategy as well. Um, but um, I think I, I do what most of you guys do is a little bit of, you know, learn while I'm playing, you know, every time I play it, kind of something inside clicks, something new that I discovered that maybe I've had a leak in my game, but talking poker with friends as well. And then all of the resources that are available online. Yeah. So what does that look like for you and your, your friends? Are you like actually getting on zoom and talking through things? Do you guys like do it by chat, like, you know, over, over, you know, some sort of an app or something or how, what does it actually look like for you to study poker with your friends? Yeah. I mean, we have like a text group and, you know, sometimes if, somebody had a deep run or someone had a really good session, we might, you know, hop on Skype or something and talk about it. Um, sometimes, you know, they'll share their hand histories from beginning to end if it's an online tournament. Um, and so we kind of go through it that way. Um, but a lot of it sometimes is just a text here, a text there of like, oh, I had this really interesting spot. What do you guys think? And, and are you still encountering stuff that you don't, I mean, are, are there still situations where you're like, huh, I don't really know. Or is it so, are you, are you so well-versed now that you're just kind of like, well, yeah, I, I know what to do in that situation. Are you still encountering things where you're kind of stumped and, and learning new things? Definitely, but only because of the, uh, the fact that now that solvers are so readily available, mm. there are specific situations where you can just be like, okay, let's plug this into the solver and see what the solver says. So I think I have a good idea of what the solver would say is the GTO decision, but I won't have that confirmation or verification unless I or somebody runs it through the solver. So what, what do you think, like, what do you think the keys are to your game? So when, when you talk about the success that you've had, uh, obviously in your balancing, it feels like different careers. Like, you know, I want to talk about the, a, a little bit more of that, but you're obviously incredibly accomplished. And I was looking through some of your stuff and, you know, two years out of college, you know, you turn pro and you, you finish top 38 or whatever, top 40, the main event, you've got a big cash. And it feels like, I don't know, do you feel like you're just kind of always a, a poker prodigy in the sense of, you just always got it. And then you just had to put in the hard work to develop it. Or is it mindset? Is it strategic thinking? Is it math? What do you, what do you think it is for you that, that sort of set you apart and kind of made you a winning player right from the beginning? I think that I have a little bit of just a natural uh, knack for games in general, for strategy games. I wouldn't say that poker came to me really easily though. I feel like I remember the learning curve being really steep. I was not a natural when I first picked up the game. I definitely did not understand all of the subtle nuances off of the bat. Um, but I think it's a little mix of having a knack for strategy games that somewhat related and was applicable in poker, but also a little bit of, of it is I'm really good at learning from hands-on experience. So oh just putting in the hours and playing and losing my money time and time again when I first started, that was what really taught me how to think about the game on a, a more deeper level. And for me, that was a big part of my learning experience. And then of course the studying did come later on and especially nowadays because it's getting more and more competitive and as poker becomes more solved in order to keep up with the competition, you really do have to put in the hours of studying with, with these solvers. But I think that at the end of the day, for me, when I sit down at a poker table, I'm able to draw on my past experience. I have a really good recall. So if the situation is similar to one I've found myself in before, I can very easily access that information in my mind. Um, whereas maybe some people might draw a blank, especially in a high pressure situation, I can very quickly recall it. And, um, and, and also it's, it's more about, and I think this is why I enjoy life more is I do think that I have a natural instinct for reading people. So I think in a live setting, 
I'm very observant and I'm very perceptive. And I think it, it works in my favor to be able to not necessarily soul read somebody, but just to know mm-hmm. if they're strong or if they're weak. Well, it feels like, yeah, kind of just all the, all the natural innate sort of stuff is there. And then you couple that with the passion for the game and with the hard work and you have the makings of, of a pretty amazing player. I, I want to go back a little bit. I was trying to like discover things that maybe you haven't talked about a million times and, and, and it's probably impossible to find those things, but clearly on the show, uh, talk a little bit about um, just kind of, kind of your younger years, if you will. Uh, so correct me if I'm wrong in some of the research, but you were born in Taiwan and then you moved to the U S kind of outside of LA uh, when you were pretty young, ended up going to, to San Diego for school. And one of the things I thought was interesting is that your, your major was communications, but a minor in law. And, and I'm curious, like how, how serious was that law pursuit or, you know, or, or you know, wh- where did that come into play? Was that something from the family, you know, history or, or why law as at least a, a form of study? Yeah, well, I grew up in a very traditional Chinese household. So even though we were growing up in the States, a lot of the culture was, you know, in my day to day life and of course, one thing people know a lot about, you know, <laughs> is that there's such a thing as a tiger mom. So, of course, you know, my parents were very strict with me. They really emphasized getting a good education. And there were only two or three jobs or careers that were considered um, something that they felt like was a worthwhile pursuit for their children. And one of them is a lawyer. And I felt like I had a slight interest in it. It was the only one out of, you know, lawyer or doctor or, you know, engineer that I felt like I could somewhat connect to. So it was really just my way of pleasing my parents. I think it was partially because I wanted to um, learn something that I felt like was something they approved of, but also I wanted to have some type of interest in it at a very, you know, bare minimum. Um, and I did find that in law, but I think that there was a time when I had considered being a lawyer, but, um, I just heard a lot of horror stories from, you know, people that were older than me who really pursued it seriously. And so I never really went down that path. So, so when did you know, you know, my understanding is you turned pro right after you grad, you did graduate college, right? Or did you, did you get, Mm -hmm. okay, yeah, you graduated. And so, but when did you know that, you know, poker is really the route that you're going to go? You know, it was one of those things that I was just going to see where it took me and where the wind blows. For me, I had said to myself, I was going to take all the money that I had won playing poker recreationally and saved up and use that as my bankroll to play poker for a year out of college. And then if it didn't hit that money didn't last me very long, I would end up going back to school and getting my master's. I was going to get a master's in uh, business administration. Um, But if it did last and if I was doing well, then maybe I would ride it out from one year to two years or maybe three years. But it was always in the back of my mind that I was going to end up going back to school and getting my master's. So it was never something that I, I thought that poker for sure had like a finite definitive end I just wasn't sure what when that end would come um and again it would depend on if I won or lost um but I just got very fortunate and you know as you said when you were looking through my results within the first couple of years I ended up finishing 38th in the WSOP main event and obviously that was a nice padding to my bankroll (laughs) and it kind of just snowballed from there and I kind of just a combination of moving up in stakes and becoming better at the game that allowed me to continue playing until now. So how did, how did that go with your parents? So the parents had sort of an idea of, you know, what your career is going to look like and you graduated college, you know, you, you got the marketing at the, that kind of thing, but then you started playing poker and you weren't going to the workforce. You weren't being a lawyer, a doctor, an engineer. Was, was that a difficult time for you and your parents or how did that work out? Yeah, again, going back to being from a really traditional Chinese family, obviously, they did not think that that was an appropriate uh, choice for, especially for a female. Um, They also just didn't feel safe about me being in that environment Mm -hmm. all of the time. And 
you know, it wasn't even something that I really came out and told them I was pursuing seriously. It was always like, okay, so I did enough. I graduated college to get them off my back for the first year. And then it was like, okay, when are you going to go back to school? And I was like, oh yeah, about that. Um, okay. I have to study for my GMATs. I need another year. So like, I just kept trying to buy myself time between, you know, giving them a little something, um, as if I was going to end up going back to school all Mm -hmm. the while knowing I wasn't really going to do it. Um, but then it obviously came to a point where it was very clear that I wasn't. And so I had to have that conversation and they weren't happy about it. And it really did cause Mm. some rift between us. Um, but I think once they started realizing like, oh, shoot, uh, Maria is not coming to ask us for money. She's not, you know, homeless. She's not yeah. sleeping in her car. I think she's doing okay. I think they realized that they couldn't stop me from doing it. And I was at least able to support myself. And there wasn't really much they could do about it at that point. Is it, is it still a source of, I mean, how are things now you know, after all these years, are things pretty good? Or are they still, is there still kind of a difficult tension there? I would say that there's not really any active tension. And I think a lot of people can relate to this when I say, you know, I think parents to your face, they will lecture you. They will seem disappointed in you. But then behind your back, yeah. to their friends or to other family members, they'll talk about you and be proud of you. But that's not necessarily, you know, it's that tough love. They're not going to really give that to you. Um, at face value, but I started hearing from other people that they were telling their friends like, oh yeah, my daughter plays poker. She's really good. But then to my face, they'd be like, okay, we don't want you to play poker anymore. But once I knew that that dichotomy just existed, it made me feel better that they don't have a real issue anymore with me playing poker. Yeah, parenting is hard that way. Parenting can be difficult that way. Uh, there, there is that difficult. What, what's my, what's my internal feeling, and what's my public persona, and what do I want to tell them? You know, it, that can be a difficult thing. I want to switch gears a little bit, and I know these guys want to jump in, and we got probably questions from the chat that people are monitoring. But uh, one, one question I really, I, I'm really, really curious about. I, again, I have a million of them, but like, you've done so many things, and I'm sure I don't even know the half of it. But, you know, the playing stuff, you've got all the accolades, right? You've got all the, the five WSB final tables, the t- the WPT title, all the $4 million. You got all the playing stuff, amazing, amazing, amazing. You got all the commentator stuff, which is amazing, 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 right? HPT, CBS Sports, WSOP, Poker Go, 2019 Broadcaster of the Year, blah, 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 blah. Then you've got this whole, all this outside stuff that you've done, the, the reality TV stuff, right? The Amazing Race, American Idol, Deal or No Deal, all of these things. And so the opportunities are going to keep coming your way and they keep coming your way and all that stuff. But like, what, my, my question is this, like what, what of those things just like stirs your heart? Like I love this. And I know you're going to say all of it because you probably have sponsors and all this kind of stuff, but if you can uh, try to articulate, like are any of those things, things that you're just like, man, do I love doing that? And then, and then why? I think my honest answer is I love doing anything that really challenges me. So I think that what stands out in my recent past is probably the broadcasting piece of it. Because when I got into it, I was super green and I didn't know what I was doing and I wasn't good at all. Um, But that made me want to get better. I'm the kind of person that I'm not that embarrassed to fall flat on my face for trying something new and not being good at it. And it actually just fuels the fire for me to learn to be better at whatever it is that I've chosen to to do. And so broadcasting has been that for me in the last, you know, five years that I've done it more seriously. It's just something that I, I feel like I'm learning a lot every time I do a broadcast. Whereas in poker, I feel like I'm still learning and I'm still growing, but incrementally it's a lot smaller than it is. Like the leaps and the jumps that I'm making are just not these big strides anymore. You know, I'm just learning a little bit more, a little bit more every day. But in broadcasting, I felt like I went from knowing nothing to knowing, you know, out of a hundred to knowing like 20 to 40, you know, leaps and bounds at a time. And I thought that that was really fun. And so along those lines, you know, I would say that out of everything that I've ever done, I think what sticks out in my mind as 
um, the best learning experience and where I experience the most growth is definitely amazing race. So anytime I have the opportunity to do something totally out of my element and totally different. And again, something that I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be good at. Um, that's what really excites me. And those are the most memorable things for me. Well, just, you know, me and my family, we're like huge, amazing race fans. We've been from the beginning, like when they all start, me and my wife and the kids, we'd all sit down and make our predictions based on the first 12. So we love it. And the fact that you're a part of it is, is a pretty cool thing. Um, guys, jump in with any questions. I got one more here and then you guys jump in or if there's anybody in the chat. But uh, one, one thing, role models. I'm curious uh, if you have any role models, either that you've had throughout your journey or that you have now, whether it's in, it could be in poker, it could be in broadcasting, it could be just in life, you know, people that you look up to and respect. Are there any people that you kind of, not to hold on a pedestal, but that you do sort of get inspiration from? I have to say in life, it has to just be my mom and my sister. I feel like I come from a lot of very strong and very intelligent and and very caring and empathetic women. And I feel like I've really learned a lot from the way that they conduct themselves. I feel like my mom is somebody who she worked so hard coming to the States and her and my dad really were able to realize their American dream. And I feel like they've instilled this strong work ethic within me. And then I look at someone like my sister, she is a neuropsychologist. She's a professor. She also does a lot of uh, media as well. And I see that, you know, she's working 18, 20 hours a day and she still makes time to, you know, cook dinner for her family and just be mm. this really well-rounded person. And so I'm really inspired and motivated by her every day because there's, again, with the staying productive theme, sometimes I'll wake up and I'll be like, I really don't want to do anything today. And if I didn't do anything that day, I, you know, it, I wouldn't feel that bad about myself normally. But then when I compare it to <laughs> the fact that my sister has the same number of hours in a day as I do, and she managed to do a lot of great things with her time, that's kind of what gets me going and pushes me Um so I would say definitely them. And in terms of poker, I would say that for a long time, especially when I first started out, I really did look up to Daniel as somebody who I think made poker very accessible to a lot of people. I felt like he was one of the most approachable poker players. I felt like every time he was shown on TV, he made the game fun. Every table he would sit at, he gave that element of, of fun and social interaction to every person that would, that he would come across. And I thought that that made poker um, that really shined a, a, a good light on poker, because I think nowadays when you walk over to a poker table where there's a very high level pro sitting at it, they're probably not talking. They're probably not interacting with anybody. And I feel like Daniel was one of those first people to really look at the game as the bigger picture and to be like, okay, well, how can we make this game fun for everybody and make this a game that people can be excited about and not just something that the pros really enjoy. And to that point, Mike Sexton definitely was one of those people that I looked up to tremendously as well. Just again, in the way that Mike carried himself in the way that he conducted himself um, I felt like he set a really good example for a lot of poker players. I love, I love all of that. that that's so good. I love the competitiveness you and your sister too, even, even at your age now, like you're still, Oh, she outdid me today. She's more productive than me today. And uh, it reminds me of little kids. Like one starts walking faster, the other starts walking faster. And pretty soon you're racing, just walking, you know, walking back to the house or something like that. So that, that's pretty cool that you guys can feed off each other. Jim, did you have something to add or? Yeah, well, I wanted to bring uh, Ben's question in from the chat here. One of our premium members has joined us for the recording, Maria. Um, ben had a question about, uh, wasn't sure if you played in the WSOP online that was being hosted through GG. Um, what did you think about the way that they held that, the structures? It was a bit of an adjustment, of course, having it online. Uh, what was your take on that? 
Hi, Ben. Um, well, I did play in the WSOP online and I actually finished, I think, 13th or something. I barely missed out on the final table. Um, so that was a little, a little bit heartbreaking. And so I have nothing good to say about it. No, I'm just um, so, Bad run. Um, no, <laughs> I thought it was, um, I thought it was good. I, I'm really in the camp of like, it's better to have something than nothing. And that was at that time what they thought was the best substitute to having a real world series. I thought the structure was really good. Um, I actually knew a lot of recreational players that satellited into it that said, okay, I'm really glad that now this event is really only, you know, two days online and one day live because I was one of those people that couldn't have played seven, eight, nine, ten 10 days. Because, you know, in the past, obviously, when you play live, the structure takes a lot longer. And so that actually drew a lot of players that had never played in the main event before because it was actually something that they could time-wise participate in. So I thought that was good. Um, And uh, again, I think that they did the best that they could under the circumstances. And obviously, not everything is going to be perfect when it's the first time that you do something Um, because I know that some people were saying, well, why are we even having this at all? Why are you guys even willing to fly somebody from outside of the United States, the, the, the international qualifier or winner and have them come here under these circumstances. And I know that a lot of people have their opinions about that, but again, I think that they tried to do the best that they can. And it was the first time that they had to do anything like this. And so I just applaud them for trying to at least give the poker players something because it is just such a tradition for us to have a main event that I don't think that skipping it was an option for the WSOP. And was there anything that you did differently to prepare for it or that you might recommend other people do differently to prepare for it, given that it's online instead of live? Is there like a different way of practicing or studying or preparing? Yeah, I think that in general, if you are going to play online, I feel like you need to really hone in on your fundamentals before you play. I think that when you play live, there are a lot of other factors that you can take into consideration when you make your decision that you can only gain that information when you're playing live. But online, if you have a close decision, you can't just look up at your opponent and go off of you know, some type of read or tell or whatever it is that you usually do to make a decision when it's very close. Online, it it does come down to the math. It does come down to the fundamentals. And I think that for most players, before they play a big tournament online, it's really important to go over, okay, what's your game plan for different stack sizes? Like what's your game plan, especially because stack sizes online are usually shallower, then live, you want to be able to study up on, you know, your push fold ranges for, you know, 10 big blinds. What's your reshub ranges for 15 to 20 big lines, you know, cause you're never really going to have more than 40 big lines online. Um, it's going to be very rare, even as a bigger staff. So you do want to study um, playing at those different stack depths that you're going to see a lot online, but also again, just deferring to the fundamentals. There isn't going to be, um, you know, the X factor of being able to read your opponent in that situation. So you really need to um, keep a really close eye on what's happened in the hand up until that point and not really lose that focus. So we got another question. Uh, just your, your thoughts on Doug versus Daniel. Uh, good for poker. What, what do, what's your overall perspective on, on that whole thing? good for poker in the sense that a lot of people were interested the viewership for those streams were extremely extremely high compared to some other streams and i think that in that sense it's good because you had two people that essentially put their money where their mouth is and a lot of times in poker you'll see people either you know disparaging uh, towards somebody or their game, but they're never really going to duke it out and mm-hmm. they never really settle it. Like who's better, who's worse, who's going to, you know, be willing to put their skills to the test in that way. So, I mean, I commend both of them for being willing to, and for wanting to do that. Um, I'm not the kind of person that 
ever wants to have one of those, you know, grudges against a poker player. So in a, on a very serious sense, it did start out a little bit like these two people just very, very much disliked each other. They have seemed to, that actually, the heads up match actually kind of made them become more amicable actually, which is really interesting instead of going the opposite way. So I think that's also a positive that people didn't expect. Um, but again, I'm not really one of those people that are like, okay, well, I'm, I, I, I think people should be like settling grudges in, in right. certain ways, you know? And, and also there was, <laughs> there was a point where prior to the match, there was a lot of back and forth that I think was, um, just unbecoming of, of them. But, but again, um, as far as for the poker audience, I think it was, people really enjoyed it and it was fun. And actually the result was that it seems like they now get along better. And I think Daniel is a much better heads up player for it. So I think there is a lot of positive takeaways. Mm. I like it. Yeah. I never know like how much of that's just, it's just TV. It's just whatever. They're just getting ratings, you know, quote unquote. So uh, it's always good to get different perspectives on the thing. I'm a little, I'm a little bummed that you're not one of those people that hold grudges and want to do heads up. Cause I thought if I just started like ripping on you about how horrible of a player you are, like <laughs> if I went on Twitter and just started, I don't know how bad you were, maybe you'd play me heads up uh, for, for all the marbles and it, I'd get crushed of course. But you know, I, but since you're not, not that kind of person, I guess that strategy is not going to work. Yeah, it's pretty hard to bait me. So, <laughs> Steve, I don't think your pockets are deep enough to play your heads up. <laughs> oh no, no, no! I don't. I have to have, have to be something else. No, I don't know. Could we play for five bucks? That, that's about my pockets right there. The rec poker pin. Yeah, I know, I know. So I'm I'm curious about talking about kind of playing against recreational players. And again, we'll 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 let you go here in a couple of minutes. Uh, but but the one video I was curious about too is the Try Guys video that you did. So if you guys aren't familiar with the Try Guys, they've got a YouTube video. Uh, Maria went on there. Basically, they they try different things. So the four of them played against Maria in poker. Uh, the different levels of knowledge, pretty much pretty beginner knowledge but it was like a half hour video that got edited down to, and you played against these four folks. And I thought it was a great opportunity to kind of teach the game uh, of no limit Texas Hold'em, but also just kind of show, you know, the luck for luck for skill and all that kind of stuff. I thought it was really well done. Um, so I guess, first of all, I'm kind of curious your thoughts on doing that, that experience. There's like 6 million views, 7 million views now uh, already in the, in the first year. But I'm also curious kind of on, even in the midst of that, it felt like you're using a little speech play to try to get them, to do things that you wanted them to do. Like you rivered a full house and you're like, well, now you have to decide if, if I have a good hand or if I'm just bluffing. I, I thought it was fabulous. So I'm just kind of curious your, your experience on that whole thing. Yeah. I mean, I am always up for doing something where we can show and teach the game of poker to an audience that has never played the game before or doesn't really know much about it or have much of an interest. So I really enjoyed the fact that they had this very kind of mainstream approach to it where, yeah, no one's going to watch the video and all of a sudden become a great poker player, but they might find the game interesting or fascinating after watching it, which is really the point because for me, it's really important to just continue to bring more players into the game and to show how fun and how great of a game that it is. It was a really great experience to work with those guys. They were actually hilarious. I mean, we filmed for maybe four hours and they edited it down to, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And I wish they could have shown all of the other things. You know, we, we had a lot of like Q and a for a while and we also played for a lot longer than the edited down hands show. And um, it was a really, really good experience. And ultimately I did not win because Apparently, it's pretty tough to beat four people as one person. When they're all playing um, against you, but... right? I mean, they, they were all playing against you. <laughs> exactly. And, and so, obviously... you know, when people are openly colluding, it's probably <laughs> right. going to be hard for me to win. But um, but I could tell that they really enjoyed it. And, you know, even after the fact, um, one of the Try Guys who had literally never played before was like, oh my gosh, I love poker seems so much fun. And it's definitely something that I'm going to go and look into now. And I, and I hope that a lot of people that watched it walked away from it feeling that same way. And it's always really cool to see that maybe you were able to introduce some, somebody to this game that has never played before. 
And, and I saw you react uh, in, in a way that I want to see more advanced players react at the table. And I know it was edited, and, but, but you were just so gracious to them in their playing. Uh, you know, one, at one point, I think the pot was like 2,000 or something, and somebody bet 50. And, and you were like, well, that's an interesting bet. You know, you're just so gracious about it. And I know inside you're like, okay, this would never happen and that kind of thing. But I just, I, I want to see more of that. And, I, and I, hopefully that sends that message again that, you know, we don't always have to prove that we're right. We don't always have to make people feel bad for how they play. Just recognize that people are at different stages. And I think that's going to lead to the growth in the game uh, more than even advanced training videos, right? Just being kind and being gracious to people at the table. Yeah, definitely. So any, any other questions from the panelists or from the, the attendees? Anybody else? All right. So, so the one last thing I'll have for you then is what, what's the next hill to climb? What's, What's on the horizon that you can share that's coming up that that's next up for you? Well, you know, during this time, I'm, I've still been doing a lot of remote broadcasting for, for online poker series. And I've also been teaching a lot of new players how to play through kind of corporate seminars because people have been trying to find ways to do team bonding activities when everybody's working remotely. And so that's been really fun. But for me, I just cannot wait to get out there and play some live poker again and i really hope that towards you know the back half of this year i'm optimistic that we'll we will have a live world series of some sort um but you know in the meantime again like my day-to-day mantra is really just to make sure that i'm doing something um for self-improvement every day so i i feel like i've been trying to take this time as a way to do a lot of the things that I've been putting off before. And now that, you know, my life has slowed down a lot to really just take advantage and not to be like in a rush to get to the next thing or for this to all be over, even though I want it to be over as much as the next person. Um, But, you know, I I really want to approach everything with just facing what's right in front of me at the moment. I love that. Enjoy the process, right? Look forward to the future, but enjoy the process. Okay, so if you're not connected with Maria, do that. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, MariaHo.com. Where where else should people connect with you? Yeah, Twitter, MariaHo, Instagram, Maria underscore Ho. Although I used to have a lot better photos of, you know, of chip porn, poker stuff, but <laughs> that's, that hasn't really been my life lately. But you'll still yeah. find some some cool some cool life photos and day-to-day things from me on there. I love it. Well, well, thanks so much. Thanks for all the support you've given to Rec Poker. Rec Poker Nation loves you. Thanks for being such a great ambassador for the game. Thanks for submitting the video for the Reckies. Uh, there'll be more of that ahead. But uh, if there's ever the, anything that we can do uh, as a Rec Poker community, we'd love to support you in any way, shape, or form. But otherwise, just thanks for your time. Thanks for being so accessible and sharing with us your wisdom. We didn't talk strategy much this time, uh, a little bit about self-improvement and, and mindset. But uh, maybe next time we'll dig into a little bit more strategy. But thank you, Maria, as always. Uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Good to see you guys. All right. Well, there she goes, Maria Ho, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Maria, you can head out. We're going to do some housekeeping stuff. Well, housekeeping, community building, all kinds of stuff. Right? I call it housekeeping, but it's really not, right, guys? This is this is like the heartbeat of rec poker. It's the community stuff. So um, feedback, guys. How What do you guys think? See, Maria. Yeah, it's always fun chatting with Maria. She's got a great attitude about poker and so much valuable insight and experience. We could have her on for a whole hour or two. That's why we got to have her on a few times in the year, right? Yeah, indeed. Other thoughts? I like getting the... Sorry, John. Well, I was just going to say, I think she's a great representative for poker. So Mm -hmm. good positive attitude and uh, doesn't hurt having more women involved in the game as well. So that's good. Agreed. Yeah, she's a fan. She's a favorite of the uh, chat group, too. Got a bunch of people in there uh, spreading some Maria Ho love. So thanks, team. I'm sure she appreciated that. Yeah. I'm always, I'm never, I always see that, but I'm never, I'm, I can't pay attention to it all. So hopefully we didn't miss anything in there, but yeah, you got to, you got to steer the ship, Steve. I'm I'm a one trick (laughs) pony, man. Rob, Andrew, any thoughts from you guys? I I just, I was, go ahead, Rob. No, I'm just going to say that she's always been one of my favorites. I mean, she's just so re- real and genuine. And so, uh, like uh, Jim says, or John said, very good for poker. Very willing to give herself to the audience and and uh, 
and be very gracious in everything she does. And I love her commentary. I love listening to her. I mean, she, whenever I get a chance to see her commentating something, I, I jump on it. Yeah, and I like the drive that she had because when she said she's not afraid to publicly, you know, embarrass or get fall on her face or whatever for trying something new, and just the drive she has to get better with the commentating. I I really like the story about her how how she got into poker and how her family was not not yeah. so thrilled about it. Yeah, no, I, I think it's an intriguing story, and I'd like to dig in even even deeper into some of that sometime. But I think sometimes you know there's certain people you have a certain perception of if you don't know them at all. And that's why I like about these chats. You kind of get to know people. You think, oh, well, you know, she maybe life's been easy. Maybe she's just always, you know, been in the spotlight or whatever. But she works hard and she continues to work hard. And I love, you know, the, the question about what her favorite passion is. She likes anything that challenges me. And she's talking about her sister and she's competing with her sister, Judy, uh, you know, who's, who's quite famous as well. And it's just kind of fun to see that dynamic because I, I wouldn't just picture her as like this driven, you know, I'm going to be the top and take on the next hill. But uh, she is. And I think that's probably that dogged determination that's led her to the successes that she's had. So uh, fantastic interview. Fun to chat with her for sure. Uh, Jim Gibber says she seems unshakable in everything she does. So even keel. Yeah, and that's what I'm talking about. Exactly. Like, it just feels like. Like she's at the poker table facing a big bet. She's kind of like, matter of fact, talking about how competitive she is. It's it's interesting for sure. Yeah, there's uh, she doesn't stress. She's yeah, it doesn't stressed. feel like it. Yeah, I wonder that's if some good advice. Inside. That's some good advice. Maybe our friend uh, Jonathan Little wants to say something about that too. Is now. Yeah, let's see what Jonathan has to say. <laughs> have you ever wondered whether you should call a preflop raise or three bet instead? What do you do when you have a flush draw? Do you raise it or do you just call? What do you do with ace-king when you miss the flop? Are you tired of guessing about what the right play is with your particular hand? Well, my name is Jonathan Little, and I am a two-time World Poker Tour champion and creator of PokerCoaching.com, where we offer over a thousand interactive hand quizzes where you play a hand and then get real-time feedback from our world-class pros. Don't guess and don't stress. Just register for your free account at PokerCoaching.com slash RecPoker right now. Yes, awesome. he doesn't want you to stress either. No, nobody's stressing. What's what's the deal? That seems to be a common theme with these pros. Nobody's stressing out. I'm stressing out, baby. <laughs> Playing a home game and I'm stressing out. <laughs> well, anything else on uh, on Maria, or should we uh, should we jump into the home game stuff? All right, John, you're you're up. We're gonna count the interruptions. We're gonna start oh, with the no. We're already button. off. There you go. We got it. <laughs> we're gonna okay, start let's try this again. Um, <laughs> Well, we'll start off with the uh, TOC. So we had the uh, TOC on February 8th, and none other than Fergie56, Kim hey. Kilroy, got her very first silver pin. I know her. The TOC there. Nice work, Kim. Very and nice. then we have another. This is not a repeat <sighs> of last month, by the way. We just have to announce that once again, Mike Patrick. Oh won the mixed game series. No. So he is two for two <laughs> at the beginning of this year. Oh god. So uh Mike's a great guy, but <laughs> I would really like started? to announce yes. yeah. I would like to announce someone else as a winner. So <laughs> please, you know, everyone get your mixed games on. We're ha we have the practice games every Saturday night, so it'll give you a few times to uh get in there and we have like 50 people playing against them. So one of the 50 should be able to, to win that instead. Uh, but that's truly incredible. Yeah. William in the chat was saying he's down to 600 chips. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, he, you know, he runs good and good spin big spots, but he, he is tough. I mean, he, he really, I mean, it's really impressive what he does. And at some point I'm as an actuary, I'm going to have to do a statistical analysis to find out like, yes. what point is this, is this, you know, <laughs> defying the odds, but yeah. it's, it's impressive what a run he is on for sure. I noticed at least Absolutely. I take some solace in that, like the, the monthly no limit hold'em tournaments, he's not doing very well. So <laughs> I, I mean I shouldn't be rooting against anybody. I'm not rooting against him, but at least I looked at the standings there. I'm like, where is he here? I'm like, okay, I feel a little better now. And I'm hoping, yeah, like next month is PLO. So I think more of us have played PLO, maybe. So maybe it's gonna be tougher, but he's the real deal. Legit dude. It's so fun to have him be part of this community. But yeah, he is rocking. Absolutely. So then on to the daily series. We have Milo Junk, Miles Hudson. Hey, Got right on, Miles. Win of the year. Haven't seen him in a while. Yeah, Mikey J. Uh, Mike Johnson got his first daily ser series victory. Flying Brick, Sarah Hansen 
got her first of the year, seventh like time. Fergie 56 is on a tear. Kim Kilroy got her second daily victory of the year. Oh, boy. And Captain Walleye, Rob Ansom, got his first daily victory of the year. Nice. Now then, KB, Doug Barons, won a daily mixed series. And Roadstar 33, Randy Smith, got his first international daily series. And Keto Man 335, Kian Tavacoli, yeah, got man. his first daily international series. Beautifully and, pronounced, John, by the way. You're going to yeah. get some full points from Kian for that one. Well, yeah, I, I would do Tavacoli. <laughs> well, I kept on leaving out like a syllable, just going to Tavoki or I don't know. I don't know how I was mispronouncing it, but I was doing it wrong. And it's not that hard of a name. I don't understand. Anyway, Gandhi Rez G, Daniel Andrus, got his first daily series victory for this year. Nice. Well, I, oh, so now I know how to pronounce this player's name. If it's Daniel Andrus, that actually makes his username yeah. make a lot more sense. Andrus. Okay, thank yeah. you. Now I get. I it. don't know what the G stands for at the end. So he's a G. D Andrus G. Yeah, he's okay. a G. <laughs> there you go. Man, he's guys, a G. G. What does that mean? He's a G. Oh, ask your kids, Steve. <laughs> um, you, my daughter's got me pretty tapped in. I don't know what that one is. Well, I'm an OG. <laughs> to edit this out now. <laughs> no, you normally hear it in the terms of he's an OG. It's true. It's true. The Have you ever heard uh, gangsta? The original. All right, I did. All right. Yeah. The OG. All right. Yeah, nice. you got to hear. Uh, no, never mind. We're not going to go into it here. I'm I sorry, don't know. Good stuff. <laughs> Andrews just sitting there, like you guys are way too white to be. <laughs> well, well done, all of you guys. A lot of crushers in that list. A lot of folks that I uh, recognize from the Reckies uh, that are still crushing this year. Kim, nice job making an early bid. Uh, as is Patty for some performance of the year type of nominees. Uh, we oh, yeah. are be watching those, and it's going to be even more intense this year. So uh, well Kim's, done. Kim's going to be insufferable in the Saturday study groups now that oh. she's got a silver pin. I, I'm already just looking forward to come on, Kim. You're going to be giving me all sports as attitude. As insufferable as Jim is, I can't imagine. Well, yeah, she doesn't have the asterisk on hers, so that's what I'm saying. Yeah, game on, says Kim in the chat. <laughs> silver on. pin club. <laughs> Nice. I've gotten third and two, and I feel desperate to get one. All right, Washam, what do you what do you got for the book club? I know we're down to the final four, but anything you want to report on on that deal? Well, I put the Twitter poll out there today, so anybody uh, can go to at Rabman50 on Twitter and see the poll. We've gotten eleven votes already. Uh, hmm. The top four are the Modern Poker Theory by Michael Acevedo. How Can He Fold by the Two Poker Guys, uh, PKO Poker Strategy by Dara O'Carney, and Poker with Presence by Jason Sue. Mm. Um, now, it's kind of interesting because all of these guys have been on our podcast at one time or another. Yeah. Right? We had Jason Sue on here. Obviously, we've yep. had Dara on here a couple times. We did have the two poker guys on here, and mm-hmm. we also had Michael Acevedo yeah. on the uh, podcast. So that's kind of cool. Um, right now, after 11 votes, Modern Poker Theory and How Can He Fold are tied in first. All right. So I've got it out there for five days. So I'll, I'll retweet it a couple times to you know make sure that it stays fresh out there so people can find it. But go to at Rabman50 on Twitter and cast your vote. Love it. Everyone should... Everyone should vote for the book they want, but if you're watching on video, I've got my choice. <laughs> I've got my choice set up there. So, okay, and then so voting open for about five days. So about a week, about by the time you're hearing this, probably, uh, it'll it'll been closed up. But uh, starting the book club right after the Fareed stuff's done, or when's the first session of the new book club? I believe, yeah, I believe it's a, be the second Wednesday of uh, March, if I'm not mistaken. Is that uh, does that work on the calendar, James? Look at Jim Third Wednesday in March will be the first one back. There we Third go. Third Wednesday um, in March. Okay. March seventeenth. We, we were doing the second and the fourth, weren't we? I think it was first and third. We were doing first, first and, and third. third. Okay, yeah, that'll first work and then. third. Yeah, that'll work then. The third, third Wednesday of March then will be our nice. first time. So that'll give us plenty of time to get the book, read up on it, get you know, because I have actually don't own Modern Poker Theory or How Can He Fold. Mm. So, um. 
But we're going to rectify well, that. Let's, let's see if one of those two yeah. wins. I'm going to have to go out and get the book. Well, quick. we'll see if we, we can approach the author. <laughs> if we have enough time, we'll approach the author and the publisher, see if we can get some copies, at least uh, get you covered, Rob, and see if we can get some discounts on some other books. So yeah, uh, once we know, let us know, and we'll uh, we'll reach out and see if we can get some copies and yep. uh, maybe even get some some soft copies in the hands of some folks that, that uh, otherwise won't want to be able to pay for it. So yep. perfect. Yep. That's great. Mr. Feist, anything going on learning with partners? You're the, you're the man that gets... So Andrew Feist is the guy that gets access to like all of our partner content. Like everybody that you know that we partner with, Andrew has access. And I can't imagine the process of trying to figure out who to who to watch, who to listen to, and what to share. But uh, anything happening on the learning with partners front? Uh, my eyes are always going sideways because there's too much to look at. Uh, but just uh, every Saturday, uh, we release uh, one of our Learning with Partners uh, affiliates. So just keep an eye out on that. It's, uh, it's premium members you release every Saturday. So just keep an eye out for it. Uh, awesome content, 15 minutes uh, a month of every affiliate that we have. And so, yeah, I mean, you get free content for being just for being a premium member. So make sure you check that out. It's amazing. And I think, you know, for recreational players, we don't have time to absorb as much as like, you know, some of those sites put out there. We just can't absorb it all. So if you're a premium member at Rec Poker, you get all the seminars that Jonesy puts together. You get the book studies that Rob's doing. You get all this great stuff that we're doing for our members. But like Andrew said, you also get 15 minutes of premium content from all of our different partners, which, uh, you know, Solve for Why, Poker Coaching, uh, Red Chip Poker. I'm missing, uh, I'm missing uh, Pro Poker, Pro Lexi Poker, Gavin's yeah. new one. Poker yeah. Forge so, also with uh, Sky. So yeah, so you yeah. get all of this, all of this kind of free, free content stuff there. All right. Well, anything else? Uh, so we got the let's talk about March Madness or Marek Madness, Taylor Moss's sort of brainchild. Uh, and so, just correct me if I'm wrong, but the, we we twitch on Thursday nights, Twitch.tv/Poker. Very easy to remember. It's part of the Card Player Lifestyle Network. Uh, and instead of Taylor uh, streaming on Thursday nights in March, instead, uh, the heads up bracket matches are going to be played uh, with with cards up. We've edited it. We will edit it so that the cards are all face up for the heads up match. And then there'll be commentary going on in the matches. And so there's eight of us core team members that uh, were put into a bracket uh, and play in playing to the death, playing to the finish. And so there's an opportunity if you want to engage with that and make your predictions. Uh, you can go to the actual, it's a, there's a site on rec.poker. There's a page just called Marek Madness uh, out there. And you can actually there's a, click a link and you can fill out your form. And then we got prizes going. Uh, Jim, what, what are the prizes that are possible to win or the prize for the winner? Well, there are so many prizes available, Steve. I'm not sure I can remember them all because it's such a long list of prizes. Um, but I know if you can get a free month of premium membership at rec.poker, um, I think you can get a merch credit uh, that's going to knock down the price of uh, your next amazing Rec Poker logo gear. I think you can also get an hour of free coaching with Chris Jones, myself, or Taylor Moss, or maybe one of these other guys on the panel if you twist their arm. Um, so there's lots of uh, lots of exciting prizes there. And all you have to do is click on that link at rec.poker. We've got a little banner right on the homepage that leads you there and make your predictions for who's going to beat who and what, how is it going to break down and have some fun with that, just like March Madness. And, and the those, biggest prize of all is bragging rights, right? Bragging rights, yep. And you can watch those every Thursday night through out Marek or March. <laughs> right. Nice. All right. Anything else that, that we got going on that we need to talk about, guys? Anything mm. else? Uh, oh, just I'll, I'll mention this on the merchandise sort of things, uh, merchandise and pins. Uh, give an update on that. Uh, you know, originally when we set up this, the model and the structure, oh yeah, we're going to do one tournament a month and we'll give a pin and it'll be all be great. And then we committed to the pins and then we're doing 10 a week. Uh, and so the pins and that, all of that sort of became a, a monstrosity of a thing. Uh, but what this means is that still we're keeping track of everybody that's earning the pin, right? You can earn uh, one bronze pin in every series every year. So I think there's four different series maybe. Uh, you can earn a pin in three different series. Okay, so the, the monthly No Limit Hold'em, the monthly Mixed, and the, day, and the nightly, everything else. And everything else. Daily. Mixed Daily international and no limit hold them. Thanks, Johns. He's like, I've, re I've told you this 12 times. Um, <laughs> basically, three series. So you can win three bronze pins each year. 
All right. And then you can win silver pins for the TOC and that kind of thing. Uh, so we're keeping track of it all. We know who's won all the pins, who's qualified for all the pins. Uh, but what we're going to do is we're going to mail those out twice a year to the folks uh, that are either a premium member or they buy merchandise or they send us 10 bucks. It's all on the website. Um, and we're going to do that at the same time we do merchandise. So we're going to do merchandise twice a year as well until we are selling so much that we can hire somebody or have it automated a bit more. So at the end of March, the merchandise order closes. Boom, end of March. And then by early May, we'll be sending out the stuff that we ordered, we received, and then we'll, we'll distribute it out with the pins. So kind of end of March, everything, will, you'll receive it all by mid-May in time for the WSIP. Uh, and then uh, end of October is when we'll close merch again. So you have it all by early December. So that is the plan for those of you who are wondering about merch, you're wondering about pins. How's that going to work? Jim's got a comment. <laughs> yeah, Ben's already said, uh, Ben's uh, he needs to win a pin now. He's got his March deadline set because he's uh, sent in his uh, order for a sweatshirt. So yeah, that's <laughs> it, Ben. We'll, we'll send those ben out to you together. Ben hasn't won a pin? Has he not won a No, he, he's... What? What are we talking he's won is that possible ben if you not actually won a pin because you've been winning so many other things probably wants a here. silver pin international international oh what well, back oh, when it didn't count yeah okay non fair enough because non-pin events i think in 2021 we're saying that the international does count for a correct pin. Is that yes yeah, so oh, it does it, yeah. it's right. one of the daily well, series yes so, i've had a yeah. count for toc it there we, are there are three different ways you can win a daily series <laughs> pin just <laughs> normal daily series pin international or the mixed practice game so all of the daily series pins now are eligible to win or all the daily series right. events are eligible to win a bronze pin but you can only win one of them yep. so yes. if you win a daily series and a normal and a mixed practice you still only get one pin for the got year. it all right we got we we to load up on more pins too like we can I, I bought all the inventory thinking oh okay well here's how many bronze pins we're gonna need <laughs> this will last us three years oh god uh, anyway so <laughs> I spent more time on it than I would than we needed to, but I wanted to kind of clarify that. So the merch and the pins once a year, merch, order whenever you want, but we will actually place the orders end of March, end of October. You'll get it early May, early December. And at the time we send that out, we'll also send out the pins. Uh, and again, premium member, or if you order merch, if you send us 10 bucks, uh, then we will uh, mail those out to you. Anything else? <laughs> what else do we well, need to talk about? Kim actually mentioned in the chat that uh, we've we've started this social media uh, feature for some premium members, and I don't want to get too far down that road, but we should say if you're a premium member, check your inbox because you probably got an email from Steve inviting you to uh, take part in a little social media feature that we're looking forward to. So yes, uh, I don't know if you want to add any more to that, but yeah, I was just, I was just remembering like what that was. Uh, <laughs> yes, if you are Steve's, been, Steve's or, been very busy. Yeah, uh, what email did I send again? <laughs> if only this was the if only rec poker was the only thing I had going. Uh, but but no, we did send a note out where we're trying to start featuring our our members, featuring our players, featuring everybody a bit more and kind of it's, it's about building community it's all about building community and so yeah if you're a if you're a premium member check your inbox if you don't know what we're talking about send me a message uh and we'll take care of that deal uh and, and try to get get you out there uh and build the community <laughs> around that thing all right anything yeah, else just, guys go well, ahead just so steve feels a little better he, he's not the only one who's forgetting things i after we had our no limit hold'em series i forgot to even do the points i didn't update who was ahead so you saw the <laughs> me post repost the no limit hold'em series like two weeks after it was done well that's why i just plain forgot <laughs> we we got a lot on our plate folks <laughs> well yeah it, but it, it's good stuff it's good stuff and, and bear with us you know i mean uh, we're reminded that the website and everything, it's, we're like six months old. Like this, this new website, what, six, seven, eight months old, somewhere in the, somewhere yeah. in that range now too. Yeah, July. Still working out some things. Uh, if you're, if you're still hanging on here and listening, if you're in the forums, uh, we found out that some of the, some of the forum posts, some of the replies were actually getting held in moderation, but we weren't getting notified of that. So uh, somebody said, Hey, I posted this and never got held. We figured out where that's coming from. We released all of those and now we got a way to kind of track those. So we're keep learning. So this is where I keep telling you guys, feedback is gold. Mm. If you're seeing something that's not quite right, you're like, Oh, I wish this was different. Please tell us. Uh, and then we will get our, get our folks on it. We're just doing this, you know, a lot, a lot of people volunteering a lot of time to have a lot of fun here. And so uh, we need to know what's going on there, but uh, I'm super excited about where the community is going. 
going and the things that have happened and the website and the home games and all that stuff. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, things will get missed from time to time. And that's why we're a community, right? It takes a village uh, to make rec poker happen. So we're counting on the village. <laughs> well, good stuff. Anything else, guys? All right. Uh, well, reminder, Thursday nights uh, or Tuesday nights, we do the OPA thing. Thursday nights are our normal Twitch stuff. Uh, you can join the community for free at rec.poker. Just join for free. Uh, if you want to go premium, use the code RECPOKER. You get 10 bucks off that first monthly $15 payment. Uh, go to check out rec.poker. All kinds of cool stuff out there. Sign up for the newsletter. Uh, but I want to thank Maria Ho. I want to thank the panel, Jim Reed, John Somsky, Andrew Feist, and the great Rob Washam. Thanks to those of you who are in the in the uh, the the guests here. Uh, some of you are still left. Ben, Doug, Jim, Kim, and William. Thanks for jumping in there as well. Uh, thanks to Running Aces, Racetrack, Casino, and Hotel. Uh, thanks to Website Amp. And man, we'll catch you next week, guys. Have a good one. Bye.